to steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Ander. The Empire is choking us so slowly. We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. Fermenting out there, some pockets of fermenting. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. <laughs> I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. There's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. And welcome to the very first episode of Andor Candor. (laughs) 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 What is Andor Candor, you ask? Well, it is our weekly talk show all about the new Andor series because we are so excited. but But I would like to asterisk weekly once the series airs. Yes, our weekly discussion <laughs> series uh, on all the new episodes of Andor, and we are just so excited that we are re-entering our Rogue One era, and we were blessed with a trailer on August 1st, so we were really excited to finally launch the series this week, which was just such a, such a good time. Where were you in your Rogue One era? Tell me more what the, I was in college. the winter of 2016 brought you. Yeah, studying for finals, crying over Rogue One, normal mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was also in college. I was in my freshman year. And that is kind of when I got into fandom and also got into Star Wars books. So like I have Rogue One to thank for a lot, including a lot of tears. Yes. Oh, man. What a good film. I'm really so beyond thrilled that we get more Diego Luna and also just more of the Rogue One universe being built out with the return of Saw Gerrera, Mon Mothma. Eventually, more characters as we get closer to the events of Rogue One within this series. So we are going to see so many cameos, I'm sure, in season two of of Andor between, who knows, like Ben Mendelsohn or Felicity Jones. Like the sky's the limit with the series, and I feel like it's really setting up something spectacular in terms of like bringing us to the point when the rebellion is at its strongest to go to Scarif and win that battle. Right. So 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 exciting. But before we get into the trailer, talking about the newest trailer that came out and, you know, talking about some of the new characters, the big moments, the visuals, all of that. Do you want to tell our listeners about our newest podcast art for Andor Candor? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so we had the pleasure of working with Skylar Verduzco on some Andor Candor podcast art. You might know her as at misnamed plants on Twitter or with her collaborations with Super Yaki on their various collections. But we are so, so beyond excited about this art. So if you have not seen it yet, you might be seeing it on the cover of this podcast, wherever you find it, or maybe on our website. And you can see it on our Twitter. Again, we are so, so thrilled that we got to work with Skylar. She is a huge Andor fan. So we knew that she she was the one in our mind that we had to work with. And it is the Rebel Insignia. It is Cassian and Mon Mothma standing in that Rebel Insignia, standing back to back. And there are some Easter egg hints 
of other characters and things of this time period on the poster. And we're just so grateful that she said yes to working with us. And we're so thrilled with the outcome. So thank you, Skylar. Yes. Thank you so much. And if you're not following her stuff on like Twitter and Instagram, definitely go do so. Um, She was on the podcast as well. I believe it was last year or the year before uh, during the Space Wizards collection from Super Yaki. She came on the podcast with uh, a few others, Jason from uh, Talking Bay as well as uh, Andrew from Super Yaki. So that was really exciting. Um, She talked about Rogue One a little bit on that show. And we talked about Andor on that episode. And here she is now doing our Andor Candor art. So it's like a whole full circle. And she'll also be on our podcast at some point this season of Andor because we'll be bringing on guests all season long to talk about the series and uh, dive into each episode. Because, I mean, the more the merrier here on on Friends of the Forest. So we are just beyond thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like before we kind of dive into how awesome the trailer is, we should address the elephant in the room. Oh boy. So we go from something like really, really happy and exciting to like something that's a bit disappointing and we're going to go to really, really happy and exciting again. Guys, the date got pushed back. Oh my gosh. I tweeted out at midnight. It's Andor August, baby. And then like not even nine hours later, I'm like, this tweet aged poorly. Like what? I am. Okay. I get it. They want to make the show the best they can for us. I am not complaining in that regard, but like, man, I was, I was putting my entire August and September around this show and yeah. here they, and, and they were like in May, they were like, yeah, here's when it is August 31st. And we're all like, great. August 31st. See you there, babies. And no, you get to the middle of this trailer. If you're me. Okay. So I did not watch GMA. I got up when I got up and I saw a text from you. Like I hadn't opened like the various texts you sent me. I just saw the latest one was like, they pushed it back. And I was like, he can't be talking about Andor. He can't be talking about Andor. And then I watched the Andor trailer. And then we like get to the end. It's like September 21st or whatever, only on Disney Plus. And I was like, they pushed it back. I'm so sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know as as much as I was sad initially, I was like, you know, I got over it pretty quickly because I was like, if they're going to push it out, and they want to refine the, you know, the VFX or if they don't want it to run up against She-Hulk, like whatever the reasoning may be, especially if it's the VFX, because we know, you know, everything going on with Marvel right now and, and just the industry in general and how VFX artists are being really pushed and uh, pushed to their limits and spread thin uh, very unfairly. Um, the Overworked. more room Overworked. that, yeah, yeah. The more room that these uh, people have to get their jobs done uh, yeah. in a timely manner, that's also healthy for them and have good working conditions, the better. So um, if that plays a part in it, I hope they feel a sigh of relief, a relief that, um, you know, they're not down to the wire here for the next three weeks. Um, plus, we're getting three episodes instead of two. So um, although that does change a little bit of our scheduling, um, it also makes room for remembering resistance on August 29th, which is a good right. time for us. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, yes. yeah, I guess uh, we're at the time of this recording, 40, 49 days away from uh, the 50 days away, actually, from the oh, release of Andor uh, at the time of this recording. So. I thought we were so close. <laughs> like, I yeah. get it. I'm not like mad about it. Like, I'm not like grumpy about it, but I am just like, oh, darn it. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I felt like I had built up such an expectation in my mind. And now, guys, three episodes. <laughs> I'm assuming these are all going to be 45 minutes to an hour, genuinely. Um, and if I'm, you know, I'm putting on the clown makeup anyway. But, uh, I'm considering taking a day off work. <laughs> I haven't done that idea. in the past, but like three hours and I have some sort of obligation to podcast about it. I have to watch it before we podcast about it. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a day off work or a half day. We're going to have like a super mega episode uh, for Andor on, on that day. I, I'm taking a half day that day. I've decided already. So <gasps> The, yeah. All the podcasters cried out in agony. Three hours <laughs> worth of content. You guys, you don't understand. We're about to talk for over an hour, most likely, about two minutes and 24 seconds worth of content. <laughs> and like, all things considered, The Bad Batch the next week. So uh, well, it's a good thing those things didn't I don't coincide. think The Bad Batch is sticking there anymore. You will see. They haven't announced anything yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they move it. Yeah, because that September 28th date was not like officially announced. It like showed up in a title card, but it was never like officially announced. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that made, that might have been around the whole time that they were deciding to shift things because I imagine they're not going to do one and then immediately one more right. show. I think that would do Bad Batch a real disservice. Mm-hmm. 
I, I agree. I think they need to give Bad Batch some breathing room and it would just be good too for um, podcasters, editors, writers around the world who are covering yeah, freelancers Star Wars. broadly. <laughs> fans yeah Yeah, because like even even when just um miss marvel and obi-wan were coming out i would immediately watch obi-wan and then maybe watch miss marvel the day after which was the beginning of thursdays were the beginning of my weekend so that's when i would catch miss marvel so like Mm -hmm. i i especially because they drop at three in the morning or two in the morning or midnight depending on where you live or six in the morning you know if you're overseas from where we are but like yeah it's a very inconvenient time for the U S and North America. Um, so it makes it difficult to like sit down and decide to watch multiple shows in one evening. If you have other things to do as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That's just, that's just me grumping. But Hey, look for our coverage the week of, uh, <laughs> September 21st, where we'll be talking, uh, all about three episodes of Andor. That will be our next episode here. on yeah. Andor, so. Will it be one episode? Will it be three episodes? Will we be shaking our heads and going, how are we supposed to talk about any of this? There's so much quality content to enjoy. I don't know. You stay tuned on Andor Candor to find out. You'll find our candor about the situation. Oh, I Finger see what guns. you did there. Yeah. I see what you did yeah, there. Yeah, I know. So yeah, with that being said, I think we should just jump into our thoughts on the trailer. So Sarah, what did you think about it? Where were you when you first watched it? And how did it make you feel afterwards, despite the delay? I was laying in bed and it was on my phone, as God intended. And the trailer was great. And it took a couple times watching it and a little bit of time for it to sink in how good it was. And then I went to work and was like, and or trailer? Coworkers? And my coworkers were like, no. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You're boring. Respectful. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love my coworkers. Um, but they were like, no, I have not seen it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then I came home and watched it on my laptop. And I was like, haha, and or trailer got full body chills. So yeah, the more I watch it, the better it gets. The more things I think about, the more things I look at. And I'm like, crap, crap. It's so good. We watched it at least five times before we started recording this episode. Yeah. We were like, what if we just do it again? Just one more time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like addicting a little bit. It's like what? If, just one more time. It's like Brad when he's like, <laughs> "I'm gonna buy another Funko Pop." Stop. What if I bought, what if I bought another Funko Pop? Oh, but you know I'm gonna buy the Funko Pop of Mom Mothma. I mean, how can I resist? If <sighs> you might break another rule, this is the year of Sarah breaking her many her, <laughs> her rule of not buying Funko Pops. Uh, now has been twice this year, and twice? I think she might break it's it a third so, time. And I haven't gotten either of them yet. I haven't gotten either of them yet, which is the funniest part. Like one I yeah. ordered months ago because it's it doesn't come out until September, and that's Padme. Here's the deal: I like women. Okay, women. I specifically like women who wear fashionable outfits. Okay, Padme in her. This is how Liberty dies outfit. It's my favorite Padme outfit. I would do anything for Padme in the outfit. And so when I saw that, I was like, I have to tell Funko that I want more. Okay. Worth if they the do cost. not, if they do not release a Mon Mothma in every single one of her outfits, <laughs> I I will throw a fit. And okay, I mean, what's, your, what's your wish I, list right now for Mothma Pop? Which which outfit? Oh. Uh, I'm feeling oh blue. I'm feeling blue outfit that we the got blue, in this trailer. Okay. So I showed this to my coworker and she was like, the blue is my favorite. I was like, the blue is not my favorite. No disrespect to the blue. Blue is my favorite color. But the way she looks in those fitted dresses, my God. It is just I there's no accurate term for how amazing she looks. I think I would want a Funko Pop of the gold dress from the mm. tv preview spread like that's just oh just the shape of it she looks beautiful on her stunning with the sleeve like everything um but like man i wow i i don't know if i've ever thirsted this hard on the pod but like <laughs> mon moth mon <laughs> I, I would really bounce off of what you're saying, but I might get banned from this podcast. So I, I will uh, plead the fifth on Mothma for now, but uh, stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. It is the summer and it is, uh, you know, it's very hot out. So I'm quite quenched. Uh, but, uh, so I want to talk about Mothma for a second here. That's fine um, with me. Just want to make that You clear. know, she, she's just incredible. Like I love Genevieve O'Reilly and I'm loving the fact that she's being billed as like a, a headliner character for the series as well as like in the series in this trailer i really got the impression that 
Stellan Skarsgård is going to be even more of a huge player in the arena for Andor, which I, yeah, from the first trailer, I thought like maybe he'll just be in like a couple episodes. That's it. But I really feel like he is going to be uh, sort of essential to the grassroots effort of the rebellion. Because if we know that the rebellion kind of starts uh, around the time of Rebels, I think Rebels takes place five years before Rogue One, as does the Andor series, right? Because, you know, season one is that fifth year and then season season two is going to lead us all the years up until Rogue One. So yeah. I think the re- we really are going to see the formation of the Rebellion in the series. If Bail Organa is not in this series, I am going to scream. <laughs> like, I was so expecting Bail in this trailer because he's so critical to the formation of the Rebellion. And then we didn't get him and instead got Saw Gerrera, And I was like, plot twist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, getting Saw Gerrera, he looks he looks healthy. Like, he looks very... He looks like he's still a fighter more so than he was in Rogue One because Rogue For One is sure. obviously like on a he's like on a ventilator essentially and he's nearing the end of his time but right now it looks like he's kind of in his prime and um he is he is ready to fight and um there's like X he's using X wings like in his courtyard um with two tubes who's there in the background um, as well as as well as Moroff the Gagorian uh who appears in Rogue One who is one of we my think, favorite but probably Glup Shittos, like one of my favorite Glup Shittos for sure um I love Daniel Jose Older being like oh that's a midnight horizon easter egg cuz there's a Gagorian in that book um yeah, I love yeah. that so much so funny seeing him be a part of the show as well it just it just all makes total sense and I love that we're exploring this idea of um, Luthen asking Cassian, like, wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? And yeah. we're, that's what the show's about, right? It's it's Cassian and Diego talked about this on Good Morning America, which I didn't mention where I was when I watched the trailer. Oh, I was yeah, out of the country. You asked me that question and then we just moved on. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was out of the country and I was really worried we wouldn't even get Good Morning America on the TV. You weren't and I was even in, a hotel. in America. I know, but I was at a hotel and I was like, okay, Good Morning America is sort of like an international show, I feel like. I feel like that's at least in uh, Canada and Mexico, you know, because it's you know bordering the US maybe. Mm-hmm. And we got it on TV, on cable cable news. So I was able to watch. And um, on the interview, Diego was saying how this show is about Cassian not understanding what he's capable of in the way that we know what he's capable of in Rogue One. And this show is about him learning that, but not only him, but so many other people, like people who are rising up around the galaxy. Like it's a, the show is about realizing your potential in an effort to make change. And I think like what a better time for us to be watching a show with that commentary than right now as so many terrible things are happening um, in the world, in our own world. And understanding the power that each of us have, like whether it's with our vote or our right to protest or our right to rise up and say like enough is enough. Um, I think that, yeah, I think it's a really good time to be watching this show. And um, I I actually want to jump to uh, a quote from Fiona Shaw and I want to flip it over to you, but um, she said in an interview with uh, Empire Magazine, she says, quote, "Uh, Tony has written a great scurrilous take on the Trumpian world. Our world is, an ex- is, is exploding in different places right now. People's rights are disappearing, and Andor reflects that. In the show, the Empire is taking over, and it feels like the same thing is happening in reality, too. I was impressed by Tony's social realist intentions. He's created a whole new morality. It's very deep and humane. There is grief, mourning, hope, fear. It's not just primary colors here. So with all this in mind, uh, yeah. and what we see from the trailer, Fiona's quote, the sort yeah. of commentary that's happening, like, wh- how are you feeling about the show? Okay, so like, I want to, yes, the answer to that is a yes. Yes, that's yes. Good. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm doing really good. This is like the goodest I've done in a while. You can tell I'm feeling good. Um, I want to talk about the word scurlius, uh, or scurlius. Um, has two meanings. And they're interesting. I've never heard this word before. I've never recognized it. Making or spreading scandalous claims about someone with the intention of damaging their reputation or humorously insulting. And I just find it an interesting word. No further commentary. That's it. (laughs) Uh, My other form of commentary is I think Fiona Shaw's character is going to die in this season. So sorry to Fiona Shaw. No disrespect. She's incredible. Clearly going to be incredible on this show. Uh, Just have to throw my hot take out there. And if it's wrong, won't be the first time I've been wrong, but I have to say something. (laughs) Um, I won't bet on it, but I'm just saying it. 
Then you were saying about the morality, right? Um, I find that all very, very interesting because we so often see Star Wars as a story between good and bad. And I think I love that it's clear cut. I love that it's, you know, the hero's journey and all that sort of stuff that we we talk about a lot in, in fandom and, and what it means for these characters. However, I really like it when it's messy. And I think that's why I love The Last Jedi. That's why I love Rogue One. That's why I love Star Trek. It's messy and it's hopeful, but it's also all the things at the same time. And, you know, when you watch Rogue One, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm monologuing here, but you're just dealing with it. Thank you so much, audience. Um, you know, when you're watching Rogue One and you've just started the movie, it's the first time you've ever watched it. Take yourself back. And then Cassian shoots the informant. And then you're like, oh, shit, this is different than what I know. You know, mm-hmm. did you have that feeling? Because I know I did. Yeah. I mean, you're watching somebody shoot their own person in order to in order to continue the cause. Yeah. And that's right? not something you've seen in Star Wars before, right? It's, it's good versus right. evil, dark versus light, you know, the force versus fascism, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is different. This is more complex than that. And I really think that that quote, social realist intentions, whole new morality, deep and humane. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. Thank you. Next. I will shut up now. It's interesting when you talk about morality and the show is really going to test the morality of so many characters. And I think one of them is, is Stellan Skarsgård's character because we do see him have a hair change in the trailer. We see him with long hair and then we see him with short hair. Can we talk about that? I'm wondering... Yeah, where is that change happening? Because when he has the long hair, he's in his apartment building with what looks like his uh, assistant or somebody that helps him maybe manage the museum or yeah, uh, gallery that he has. Can we talk about that? Who is yeah. Luthen? Who is Luthen? I get the impression that he is like a former businessman who is like this really wealthy, privileged, like yeah. one percenter. He's sort of representing the elite class. Uh, and he says in the trailer, like, you know, I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. Yeah. And I, when we talk about the idea of people waking up and realizing their potential. Like maybe he has, when he says I'm, I'm, I've been hiding for too long. Maybe he's waking up. Maybe he's waking up from the fact that he has uh, been benefit, benefiting from a, a, a oppressive system and it's time for a change. Right. And he, he, he's meeting with Mothma in the trailer at his apartment. Uh, well, do and we then know soon after, apartment? do we know it's his apartment? Um, I would imagine it's like an apartment or an office of some sort. I Maybe think it's, it's more an office both. or than a place of living, but I could be wrong. It looks about like that. he's in jammies, his, his pajamas. <laughs> looks like he's like, oh, you just caught me in my mid morning nap. No, I, I see. I don't get pajamas <laughs> from it as much as I get like this is my this is my high class outfit because he wears mm. much grittier things throughout, much more like real down to earth textiles and stuff like throughout the rest of the trailer but here he's wearing what seemed to be very soft flowing fabrics and that's probably why you're thinking jammies but so is mom mothma she's also presenting in that very high class way maybe it's a pajama plotting party i love a good old ppp pajama plotting party you mean ppp like the princess protection program (laughs) starring selena gomez and demi lovato (laughs) never seen it (gasps) but hey this is not a ppp podcast which is a pppp a lot of peas. Wait, maybe it is a PPP podcast. Are you in your pajamas right now? Perhaps. Okay, I'm not. There's another oh, P not. for you. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> this is going off the rails. <laughs> this but is what Andor does. <laughs> speaking of peas, we listen to a podcast. Uh, hope I like that good pop right there. Yeah, they're great. It's great. Uh, I-, I love too that we get the shot of him in his ship and he is short hair, flying. Short hair. He's, he's shooting. Yeah, short hair. I love the shot within the cockpit of him looking out the viewport and the gun comes up, it shoots down a tie bomber. We see uh, a ship. I, I believe that we've only ever seen in, I think it was like rebels maybe, or uh, some sort of show somewhere. And we're finally seeing it realized uh, it might've been in a video game or something, but uh, you know, we see him obviously fighting the empire very, very yeah. overtly right in, in, in battle above Coruscant, I would imagine. Um, and we also see him in the trailer, you know, talking with Saw Gerrera. He's got the hood up. He's using a speeder bike. Oh, dude, the, the, he's, he's like very smooth putting the hood up and it being such a deep hood that it like it covers 
his like whole face kind of oh great just great use of the textile <laughs> but I, i'm so fascinated by him as a character and i'm really happy that we seem to be getting a lot of him and i i really I really value the fact that Stellan Skarsgård's in a Star Wars. Like, I don't think I realize I needed it until I'm seeing it with my own eyes now. And I'm like, yeah, that just makes so much sense. Cause like, we haven't really gotten to see much of him in Dune cause he was in Dune mm-hmm. uh, as the emperor. And so I'm excited to now see him in Andor, maybe playing a good guy. Right. So that's exciting. Is he Shandrillin? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I have a long hair, short hair, beard, no beard thought. I either think that long hair and beard, Cassian Andor beard versus no beard, long hair, beard are either flashbacks or they are like the first two episodes. Mm. I'm thinking it might be like the first episode. Interesting. Because I think, which I'm now I'm just like putting the shots together in my mind and I'm thinking about them differently. Because, but like, there's the point where I'm transitioning to Cassian a little bit, like there's a point where Cassian is clearly embedded into the empire uh, and he's clean shaven. So like who is bearded Cassian and why is bearded Cassian on Bracca? Do we know it's Bracca? No, but am I putting it into the universe? Yes. I, I believe it's Bracca. Cause we see like the Jedi, like we see the, the cutter from Jedi fallen order, like the machine cutter ship that flies. Yeah. Which is on Bracca in fallen order. So I think, I think it's Bracca. Um, I, I do wonder too, like, you know, we, from the Rogue One novelization, which we just covered on, on Patreon, there was the part where Mothma was thinking about the Imperial fleet and how um, they were using a lot of uh, black market dealers to get parts to ships and they were using old ships put together. The oh, rebel yeah. fleet is basically a bunch of patchwork, yeah. a patchwork group of, of fighters, right? And I wonder if maybe Luthen secretly, aside from being a, a wealthy Coruscant elite, uh, is also some sort of arms dealer or a mediator of sorts that can get the rebellion, the weapons they need, the ships they need. Mm. And I don't know how like Cassian plays into all of that because we see in the trailer where Luthen and Cassian are talking and he goes, Cassian Ender. I didn't do that justice. Cassian Ander. That was actually pretty decent. That was pretty decent. <laughs> <laughs> it's the A-N-D-E-R of it all. Yeah. You know, Ender. 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 Yeah. You know, it, it joins the pantheon of Leia, Leah, Han, Han. Yeah. You know. Oh, love, I love a good, a new uh, Star Wars mis- mispronunciation. Yeah. Uh, which Ender. I just said that r- word wrong because I'm tired. Uh, but no, I, I they, they're meeting in some sort of like grimy like kind of rundown metallic looking uh room and i'm wondering if that is also on Braca, where he finds yeah. cassian and whatever cassian's doing there maybe like I-, I don't know uh and we see other parts of the trailer where he's like running inside of a warehouse he's getting shot at um so I- i'm wondering like if that's a couple first couple episodes like i feel like we're really just gonna jump into it in those first three right like we're gonna get some backstory on where cassian has been and then Luthen's going to come along and give him the option to fight for something else. Um, and I'm wondering where the connection is. Like, how does Luthen find out about Cassian? Like, why is Cassian special? Like, why bring somebody like him onto the rebels and Mothma's cause and to their side, you know? So that's, okay. that's, that's what I hope is answered. You mentioned like black market arms dealing and that's kind of tying everything together for me. It's kind of putting everything together for me. Like, I think you're, we might be so off and we're going to paint the clown makeup on in six weeks and it's going to be fine. Uh, or we're not going to be so off and we're going to sound like geniuses and I'm going to make up for all the times that I've lost silly bets with you. But like, I think it's possible that we meet Cassian. Oh no, because, oh, hmm. Because. I was like, we meet Cassian on Bracca, which is where he meets Luthen. Luthen is a collector of sorts. He's got lots of artifacts. He's he's getting parts, artifacts, arms, that sort of stuff for the rebellion. That's how he knows Mothma, right? Uh, but we still have that shot with him meeting Mothma, and he has long hair. Now, when he's talking to Cassian about well, actually, do we see him say the words? Let's let's. Yeah, he's he's tape. got Roll short. He's got sh- he's got short, he's got hair. short hair. 
So there's a wrinkle. There's a wrinkle in my plan. But maybe that shot of long hair, Luthen is like right at the, right at the beginning, and then we go to Braca, and then we go to this sort of situation. I don't know. I'm just I'm both I'm like I'm like spewing nonsense, but like I'm having a good time while doing it. Maybe he's got some wigs, you know. That's that's also like a real possibility. Does he wear wigs? Does he wear wigs? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's a Dominic Monaghan reference for all the <laughs> Lord of the Rings fans out there. Great, great segment. You should all watch it. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's it's possible he just could have a he could have like a short hair disguise that he wears when he goes out on his secret no, spy missions. A, you he know? has a long hair disguise because short hair him is who he really is. Long hair him is the facade. True, true. It's like is the zebra also, white? Is the zebra black? It's a little bit more difficult to like you know do the hair up, you know, do the pin curls, put on the ball cap, put on the wig than it is to like. Just put on the wig over short hair. Right. No, that's, we're talking that's totally wig bad. application. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wow, Sarah, I am regretting. I am regretting doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All seriousness, though, I'm, I'm super excited to learn more about his character and how he plays into uh, the early rebellion. I feel like he's crowdfunding the rebellion right now, honestly. <laughs> I would not I be surprised if he was crowdfunding the rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so fascinating. Okay, let's speaking of the rebellion. Let's yes. talk about Mothma again. I know we <laughs> we, we talked about her up front. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so besides her being extremely hot, um, gorgeous, stunning, iconic, there's a lot going on with her character, and yes, you know we get the most of her. Besides her meeting Luthen in his apartment slash office slash wherever, uh, there's a part where she's talking to a new character who is named Tay Colma. And she says, as long as everyone thinks I'm in irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. And there's this beautiful shot of the doors closing and she's sitting on a sofa, a very large sofa. And, you know, what is she quite literally doing behind closed doors, right? And behind closed doors, she is forming a rebellion. And there's this like imagery of her in the Senate chambers, which we now see the Senate chamber has like a, imperial logo on the ground of the center dice uh and also there's imperial logos on the senate pods you know like and so she's standing above that in her pod when she's giving a speech of some sort i think there's a little bit of imagery there of her rising above the empire right like trying to rise above it and we talk about the idea of people rising so i just think that's fascinating uh i'm reading too much into that but that's the point of this podcast and so i think it's really cool Again, that she's billed as a, a central character, and I, I 100% think Bail Organa is going to be in the show. I think it would be a complete failure to not have him in the show. I, I would almost 100% say he's going to be in the show. Like that's, I think that's like pretty much a given at this point. If he's not, um, I'll be so sad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would, I would honestly like bet my entire life savings, uh, which isn't that much, but I would bet it. I would willingly bet it that he'll be in the show. Uh, I think it's so cool that she's using the sort of uh, way that people underestimate her to her advantage and how, how she thinks that people see her as an irritation. It's like, okay, well that irritation is going to be the thorn in your side. Right. Cause when we think of the empire and the way they view, um, they view people who speak out against the empire. I always feel like irritating is the right word. You know, like I feel like that's a word Tarkin would use to describe people who are like irritants, those irritating rebels or those irritating uh resistance fighters right like i feel like that's such a specific word yeah and um time and time again the empire underestimates these people despite how irritating they may seem on the outside yeah i mean she could just be like a contrarian in this in this particular society as it's set up now and everybody's just like come on again you're gonna say something again and you know She's the one stopping at every meeting and being like, no, actually, I do have something to say. (laughs) But I want to go back to a quote that was released a while ago from Tony Gilroy, but it's one that is worth bringing back up because he said he then specifically referenced Mom Mothma and her role in the fourth episode of the show. Quote, I bet when that, pardon me, I bet that when episode 104 plays, when Mom Mothma finishes the episode, that there will be people tweeting about Mom Mothma. I mean... I will be tweeting about Mom Mothma, but I, I think he says it like it'll change everybody's opinion of her, change what you think of her. Mm. And speaking of episode four as well, uh, it's directed by uh, Susanna White, who did Billions. Cool. cool. So uh, Billions is a pretty Very popular show. Yeah. Um, I like a woman 
directing a woman centric <laughs> episode. I think that's woman? that's good. Women. That's good. As uh, as Saoirse Ronan as Joe March would say. <laughs> women. Women. Yeah. Um, also joined by uh, worth mentioning uh, Toby Haynes, who did Black Mirror. He's doing some episodes this season, as well as uh, Benjamin Karen, who did The Crown. So those are our three directors for the season. Yeah, and I think that's so interesting is. Uh, about this is like Tony Gilroy's and, and he quite quite clearly admits this is like not a Star Wars fan um, and I think that's okay like he's just not somebody who Star Wars is a part of his life like it is a part of our lives and I think that gives him a particular lens to come at this with that doesn't have the same weight as like you or I making a Star Wars film would have um, which I am really excited to explore further uh, because at the end of the day while it seems there was an article, I feel like maybe a year or two ago that was that Toby or Tony Gilroy talked about how much influence he had on Rogue One and what things he did and what things he didn't do, uh, in, in, in that whole process. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing like what his vision from the beginning is and like what he has to put forward. Uh, and he said, there are certain events that happen in these five years that are important and need to be paid attention to. There are certain people, characters that are legacy characters that the audience, the passionate audience really feels that they have an understanding and know of. In some cases, they're right. And in some cases, what they're saying is what you know, what you've been told, what's on Wikipedia that you've been telling each other is all really wrong, is what he says. And then he goes on to add, it's upside down or it's sideways or it's the opposite of what you thought it might be true. Or it's way more interesting than you had ever thought. Or that's a lie and there's a reason for it. I would say there's some surprises in store. I'm just saying if if what I thought about my Mothma is a lie, I'll be upset. However, <laughs> uh, however, um, I'm interested in the upside down or sideways or the opposite of you thought was true. I am fascinated about what that might mean. And I am interested in some of the flippity floppity do's about that well yeah i i want the show to challenge us a little bit right like i feel like the show has a really solid potential to do something different and to actually say something because i i think like all star wars shows say something right to an extent but i really feel like the show in particular given the topic it's dealing with the time period subject matter of it all like i really feel like there is something important going on here because this is really the turning point the inflection point of galactic history right it's like are people going to rise up and actually do something right like it's not just enough to be against the empire it's you have to be like really like anti-empire you have to like champion that cause you have to like really commit to it if you want things to change right it's like not enough just to hide from the empire and hope they don't show up on your doorstep which i you know, I get the vibe from the beginning of this trailer, whatever this village might be that Cassian grew up in, sure. like maybe, maybe his people had that same thought, like, you know, the empire will never come for us. Like we're safe. Like as long as we kind of stick to our planet, like we're good. Right. And what happens is TIE fighters roll in, uh, a, a star destroyer rears overhead, which I think is the money shot of the trailer. Um, beautifully looking and, uh, chilling as, as well as, as beautiful, just from a visual effects standpoint. But I think that's what happens to Cassian, right? The Empire comes to his planet, who is former Separatists. You know, the Separatists can't hide for long, right? Sure. Uh, the Empire is weeding them out. So um, I think if the the show can challenge our assumptions about these characters, whether it be Cassian or, or Mothma, right? And I'm curious to see how Mothma deals with Sagarera, right? Like <laughs> I'm, so excited, I'm so terrified at the same time. So like is is the way that Mothma deals with Sagarera gonna be like a little bit of a, a heated battle between those two, you Ooh. know? Like because I, I think that could be something that is explored and should be explored. Um because Sagarera, despite some of his tactics, I think is a is a real fighter and he's an important person in the the history of the rebellion. Do we know that Mothma, or not, pardon me, that Sagarera was a main, he was a mainstream rebel at some point before he got ousted? Yes. As uh, a, that was, as a yeah, that was in the Rogue One novelization. They talked about it briefly from Draven's point of view. He talked about how, or he thought about how uh, Saw was in the rebellion and then he left because his tactics were too extreme, essentially. Too long, don't read version of that. 
I don't think you're wrong about this Mothma saw thing potentially. Yeah. Because and like, Luthen, is Mothma using Luthen as a mediator? Like she doesn't want to talk to saw directly. Well, that could put her in jeopardy. Too. True. Yeah. She probably can't leave Coruscant much. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. 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 Luthen seems like a really key character to how we understand the formation of the rebellion, which is interesting excited to learn more about him as we've mentioned before but also this whole like upside down or opposite or different than what you thought it was going to be if you go back to the leia princess of alderaan book uh bail and mothma are like flirting with each other and pretending to have an affair as to distract from the ongoing burgeoning rebellion so like what else is going on in the senate uh, the Senate is going to be a, a very dramatic place, I think, in the series. It's going to be very, very tense. This uh, speaks to me. Yeah. This speaks to me. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about Mothma and the fact that um, I, this doesn't really relate to anything, but uh, Susanna White, who's directing the Mothma-centric episode, apparently, um, I want to say, though, that she, uh, she did direct a movie called Our Kind of Traitor. Uh, it's a 2016 British spy thriller. Um, and she, uh, Hossein Amini wrote the script for that. And Hossein Amini is somebody oh, who worked on Kenobi. Um, and this movie, this movie stars Ewan McGregor and Stellan Skarsgård. So I just think Whoa. it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a small world there. That was probably, I mean, hmm, interesting. Interesting. That's really fascinating. It's like a kind of fun fact. Yeah. Maybe nothing, we should go watch the Nothing movie. that really matters. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it now. Um, very fascinating stuff, but you know, she's worked with some of these actors before and you know, she's doing a spy thriller. So I'm like, okay, I can understand like why she might get tapped to do some of these episodes for Andor, Right. So I feel like maybe this is something that really put her on the radar. Um, and getting to work with Stellan Skarsgård again. Um, this might be on my watch list now. Right. Right. I, I also want to mention, uh, while we're talking about like the tone of it being a spy thriller, um, when <laughs> when Diego Luna in this Empire article goes, it's a full-on drama. The result is insanely ambitious, dark, and real. Even as Tony was pitching me, I was like, this is amazing. You are sick. Um, what does it mean, Diego Luna? What does it mean? <laughs> um, I feel like the visual style and the tone we are getting from this trailer is so spooky, almost. We know it's the outcome. We know the outcome, you know, uh, which makes which makes the whole thing feel like like one of those story. Like, like it makes it feel like the show Twenty Four a little bit, where you can constantly see the time ticking. Right. You know, I and I feel that when we watch this trailer, like these people are going to try and fight up fight back and in some ways they are going to step up and win but like ultimately they're for a while going to be crushed by the empire even as the rebellion is forming and so like i think we're just going to see a lot of loss in this show mm -hmm. and a lot of like really heavy emotions yeah and i get the sense that this is going to be a very gritty story and that is welcome for me personally. Like I really like the fact that rogue one was like a war film in the trenches, seeing the, the cost of war and, uh, the way that people are willing to sacrifice so much for the cause, even if it means they're forgotten or if it means they don't necessarily get to see the results of their work. And I'm excited to see like how the show deals with not quite wartime just yet, but the early beginnings of it, right? It's like the calm before the storm. Um, but within that calm, so much is brewing, whether it's from a political standpoint, uh, from a uh, militarization standpoint of the rebellion, you know, with um, Luthen and Saw Gerrera, um, that side of the house, uh, as well as from Cassian's own personal journey of finding the potential within himself. And, um, I, I get the sense that he is somebody who has been on the run for a very long time. Yes. Um, especially ever since his world was destroyed. And this is actually back from uh, May. He gave this quote uh, in a Vanity Fair article. I believe it was the 
the big Vanity Fair article that came out. That was and so long said, ago. Holy cow. How are we, um, how are we here in August right now? Yeah. Okay. He anyway. said, uh, quote, it's the journey of the migrant. Uh, and he says that feeling of having to move is behind, behind the story very profoundly and very strong that shapes you as a person. It defines you in many ways and what you are willing to do. Mm. Right. And so given that grittiness and given what we know about Cassie and that he's willing to shoot his friend in the beginning of Rogue One, I'm very intrigued to see like, what has he done? Like, what has he been through? Like he says, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Like, what are some of those darker things that he's had to do in his life? Like, does he believe he's beyond redemption, that he's beyond the ability to fight for a good cause? Is Luthen the person to actually bring that out within him to say like, Hey, you don't have to just like run and keep moving and keep doing these things. Right. Um, is there more to Cassian's story and more to his potential? And, and there is, right? And so I'm excited to explore that within this very gritty, darker, kind of uh, fearful setting, mm-hmm. like a time of fear within the galaxy. Yeah. I think that's very, it's, it's, it's all very fascinating. Like, I think this show is having so many layers to it. And Cassian is somebody who has, I, I feel like, done quite a bit in his life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to find out if he's been taking individual action that's not a part of a larger group. Um just a much like um Jin at this point in her life in the years following this where she's really just trying to survive on her own if he is just doing that and maybe helping the rebellion in the way that he understands it um or being a rebel in the way that he understands it as an individual action as opposed to a collective one um and i wonder if that's perhaps what gets him on luthen's radar whether it's like the i'm just surviving or if like the i'm i'm a, a lone wolf sort of person i'm acting in my own on my own behalf um when i really can be doing good as part of this other group i'm interested to find that out well and we get the shot at the end of the trailer with him running down a hallway with all these uh, people in white uniforms and he smashes a panel on the wall and there's an explosion with some guards and that's like straight out of THX 1138 yeah. like that is like literally Lucasfilm saying hey let's bring <laughs> Lucas's old old film into the Star Wars universe finally like we're bringing it right like the void white void right. backgrounds of those scenes and um even some of the imperial hallways are like very white and very uh sterile yeah, sterile is the word I'm looking for, devoid of any color. And even like one of the new characters, uh, her name is uh, Supervisor Deidre Miro, uh, played by Denise Goff. She's wearing all white. She's a very Krennic-like character in the series. Dude, her fitted jacket is everything, though. Yeah, I'm excited to see her and like what she uh, is dealing with. She says in the trailer, um, you're in my net. Are you a fish or are you a thief? Yeah. So Oof. I love that. I love that. Uh, phrase so yeah there's a lot going on i feel like one thing we haven't touched on yet is the various like the the very vast amount of settings that we're getting yes the landscapes the textures of this this galaxy at this point in time and the viewpoint Mm -hmm. that we're seeing it from i feel like we are getting very much movie level high budget capital m money money sort of feeling to this do do you kind of agree with that broad assessment like yeah um and it's fascinating because they talk about how much they filmed on physical sets and in physical locations um and i feel like you can really see the product of that uh just with that first shot where they're following the two people who are in this beautiful vast green mountainside um and then from there, it, it only continues between like the built architecture of the empire and the very soft, smooth, I mean, not necessarily soft, but like smooth, uh, dark, and then also stark white kind of surfaces as opposed to the very uh, 3D um, tangible textures of the rebellion kind of areas. Well, well not only is the show using practical sets like you're saying they didn't use stagecraft at all mm-hmm. um, according to tony gilroy he says yep we're old school um they didn't use the volume they shot this at pinewood studios which is where they film the movies and money I, I money think, money <laughs> yeah I, I think this is the first star wars series to be filmed at pinewood i think i mean obviously 
Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, and Obi-Wan all use the volume. Um, I think that is important. I think that's uh, a huge deal to be filming at Pinewood for the series. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, you know, Diego Luna says as an actor, it's beautiful. Everything is mechanical. You're interacting with real stuff. Um, they talked about the fact that in uh, Scotland, they had to walk for hours up a mountain to set up one shot. It was really dangerous to get there, um, but it was amazing. It was like being on another planet. And I think this brings us to a conversation about, you know, the volume versus uh, practical effects, practical sets and, and shooting on location. And like, you know, we've talked about digital cinema quite a bit on the show, especially yeah. back in April, we talked about it. And the volume is an incredible piece of technology. We just watched Light and Magic. It's, it's, it's groundbreaking. It's going to help um, so many new stories come to life that maybe couldn't come to life before at the budgets that they need, right? It's uh, the Batman used it. Dude, Thor Love and Thunder used the it. Golden like, hour in the Batman. <laughs> yeah, like this volume is being used. The volume technology is being used for more than just Star Wars. Like it's an important stepping stone in visual effects. And I love it. I'm awed by it. I think it's it's awesome. At the same time, uh, it is really cool to be getting a show that is veering away from that for a minute, right? To try something a little different, try a new aesthetic for Star Wars TV. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. It doesn't mean I don't like the volume anymore or like I don't want the volume to be used. Like if they told me like, hey, we did a mix of volume and uh, practical effects and practical sets, I'd be like, awesome. That's, yeah. that's cool. Like you would, get throw on, you would throw on The Best of Both Worlds by Hannah Montana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think in an ideal world, like we should do that. But sometimes like it's not it's not ideal to go to Scotland and like take hours out of your day to go up a mountain to get one shot. Right. But at the same time, I think it also depends on the director. Like is Tony Gilroy comfortable or does he want to actually work in stagecraft or like do the directors that he's bringing onto the show want to work with stagecraft? Do they want to work with things that are more practical and physical? Like it also just depends on the person's skill set and their comfort level. Like John Favreau is somebody who wants to work with stagecraft. Like that is important to him. Um, so I think it depends on the creators and it depends on the story that's being told. And I think like, I, I'm pretty amazed by how the show looks visually, like oh the God. opening shots yeah. of yeah. I, what I imagine is these Scotland shots they're talking about. Um, they're beautiful. They're, they're, they're amazing. Right. Yeah. And they're still using visual effects. Um, sure. Matt Martin tweeted out that the VFX supervisor on the series is, uh, Mo and Liu who was one of the creative leads on Vader Immortal. So that's pretty cool to go from <laughs> Vader Immortal to Andor. That's like a big, a big step up. Well, he was also on Rogue One um, oh, okay. as well. Uh, cool. So he is not necessarily new to the world, um, which yeah. is great too. And what I think is so interesting um, about this series is it has to act as a continuation of Rogue One. And did Rogue One use stagecraft? No. And so it doesn't necessarily make sense for this film, which is just, or this TV series, which is just coming, what, six, six years after the original movie came out um, to be utilizing a different technology, which gives a different feel for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, the answer is like, no, it doesn't necessarily make the most sense. Uh, and, and would we have all praised it if it was happening? Like, probably, yeah. You know, uh, because the stagecraft is cool. Volume is cool. Uh, and I think the interesting thing about it is we have seen uh, how far it can go and how great it can look. And there are moments when we also understand its limitations. And it's, it, it's clear to me that Tony Gilroy really wanted to not have to work with it and understand learn something new as opposed to kind of really go out and i'm not saying that he didn't want to learn something new but uh my point being like he really wanted to go out and like make you feel the textures of the world you know yeah. uh and, and that's what i'm really getting from this and we get so many worlds here which is kind of uh wild we we get Coruscant, we get what I'm assuming is Braca, we get what we're assuming is Chandrilla, uh, maybe Chandrilla, we're getting what we assume is also Corellia, perhaps. We also have this very green planet, mm -hmm. which might have the mining and the dam on it. There might be another green planet. Where is Saw? You know, like, we're, we're all over the place here. I think we're going to be in many locations throughout the whole season. 
So I can't wait. I can't wait. Again, I love the volume, but I also love getting something new and different looking for Star Wars TV. And I think it's needed because you don't want to be over-reliant uh, on certain technologies. Uh, you want to make them still feel special. And the more that we use it, the less special it might feel. So it's nice to take a break maybe for a minute. Right. The, the less special it might feel, but also the more our eye becomes trained to it as it's not in like 100% perfect right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it will be a hundred percent perfect. And when we don't see a thing, it's so seamless. We would hardly even know that it was any sort of special effect. Um, but there are times when, when it's not, you know, I mean, again, we're still in the very, very early days of the volume and, and of stagecraft and, and of what we can achieve with this technology. So, uh, you know, if it wasn't a hundred percent, we could tell. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there are moments perhaps in Obi-Wan where we can, where our eyes go, where our eyes say, oh, you know, that's not as deep of a field as I know it. It's, or if it's trying to tell me that it is. And that's not necessarily a knock on anybody, but it's just saying maybe we're not 300% the way there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, anyway, I don't know how to approach this conversation, but I'm pro volume and I'm pro practical set and that's cool. Yeah. You can be both. Isn't that great? There's nuance nuance. besides what Twitter (laughs) might tell you. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. Um, Let's talk about the music as we start to wrap up here. Because the music of this trailer, I think, is just brilliant. Um, The sort of Blade Runner-esque kind of synth music going on throughout the trailer. There's so much happening. Blade Runner-esque with the dueling ha, 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 right? But then the other one is like the beginning of that whale of the klaxon, which when the Senate chambers hit, just gives us like a second and a half of like the klaxon sound. And then it goes back into the haas and you're just like, oh, and then it goes into this like piano um, thirds thing, I think at the end. And it's like, oh, it's really simple, but it's just kind of moving up that kind of vibe. And you're just like, oh, oh. There's a there's a particular momentum and feel to it that I find really exciting. Uh, and and Nicholas Bertel is the one scoring the series. And if you're like me, you have never forgotten his music from uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, directed by Jerry mm. Jenkins, uh, which is the most beautiful, luscious, warm score. There's just one moment when we're when we're close up in one of the characters' faces, and it's just like this warm light and this warm music, and that has never left me. Like I, that made me. That moment made me a Nicholas Bertel stand for life. So I am thrilled to uh, see what he comes up with because I think based on this trailer, it's gonna. Oh, based on this trailer and the last trailer, let's be very clear with the time grappler and the way that the like the banging is used to propel the music there. I'm in. I'm mm-hmm. in. Yeah, Nicholas Bertel nominated uh, three times for an Oscar. Like you said, Beale Street could talk with Barry Jenkins. Not best. Um, also, Moonlight, another Barry Jenkins so uh, score, and Don't Look Up. Oh, so yeah. I mean, this guy's this guy's a big deal. I don't know necessarily if he did the music for the trailer. I would imagine, uh, possibly. I don't. I don't know how composing works, and like if that, if he's involved with that That's process. A good point. But. Obviously, the trailer music is setting up a certain tone for the series, right? So if he's able to give us a sort of haunting score that really makes the universe kind of makes you sit on the edge of your seat and like fear the times that these characters are living in, like that's kind of what I want to feel emotionally. I want to feel like it all could come crumbling down at any moment. Like we're really in urgent, there's an urgency here, there's a, a dire need to rise up like this moment matters and if we don't seize it it could all fall apart right and i hope his music makes me feel that yeah okay you're totally right in saying that this this trailer might not be his music at all because it's often not and i probably have gone too far by assuming that it is um but if this music is setting up kind of the tone and energy and and style of music we're gonna get i'm really intrigued and if this is his piece i'm loving it if it's somebody else's piece kudos you've you've got me um yeah so I so I'm in either way, right? And he did uh, he did Succession. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of TV, which Succession is like a huge, a hugely popular show on HBO uh, right now, I believe, or H- yeah, HBO. So that alone should say uh, what sort of vibe he's going to be bringing to Andor. So so excited for that. 
Vulture says that it's music from Nicholas Bertel, but they might just be going on the same premise that I am. I'm hoping it is. It's really good, is my point. I really like it. And it's so different. It's it has that sort of like hero trailer vibe that some of like the big movies, big action stuff has, but it's also just so unique. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not over it, clearly. <laughs> So real quick at the end here, as we wrap up, uh, just a couple of new characters who have names. So as we mentioned, uh, Deidre Miro, there's also uh, Lieutenant Kisax, who's played by Nick Moss, Captain Vanis Tigo, played by Wolf Scolding, Korv, played by uh, Nuf Osalem, Adria Arjona, who uh, I don't know the name of her character, Fiona Shaw is playing Marva, Kyle Soler as Cyril Karn, uh, Stellan as uh, Luthen Real. Clea uh, and Te Colma are new characters. Um, Verada Sethu is playing a series regular character. She's seen at the beginning of the trailer. Um, and then there's also B2 Emo, who is the droid who makes an appearance. So, um, B2 amongst, Emo. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, amongst all of these characters, just real quick, did anybody kind of pique your interest, catch your eye, somebody you're excited to see more okay. from throughout the trailer? <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, Kyle Solar as Cyril Karn. Dude, okay. Uh, he's evil, evil. He's all kinds of bad, uh, in this. But he has beautiful piercing eyes. And he could also be a romance hero if the situation were different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm fascinated to know what kind of evil schemes he'll get up to. I'm also really interested by Tay Colmar. Um, he seems to be a sort of senate or senator or senate adjacent character. Uh, who works with Mon Mothma in some sort of way. And that speaks to me. Yeah. And I apologize if I butchered any of these names. Um, tried my best here, but uh, yeah, Tay Te- Colm was the one who caught my eye as well. Because anybody who's asking Mothma, like, what are you planning, right? Is this somebody who's going to snitch on her or somebody who's going to be brought to the cause? Time will tell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, very excited, though, mostly for uh, Adria Arjona, who we see in the trailer getting very close to Cassian. Uh, you could yeah, say I'm... they might be kissing almost close well, to. Um, is there going to be a romance? Char- if these characters are not, are, if they're playing people who are related to one another, we take that back. <laughs> we take it back. Yes. Um, I will say, um, I don't know about you. I don't get clo- that close to my siblings' faces. Um, That's, so, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm hopeful. Yeah, but I imagine that might not be the same for everybody. <laughs> this is a different galaxy. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just, I just want to like, I just want to like, Speaking in the universe, if they're related, we're taking it back. If they're not related, yes. we're shipping it. <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say, uh, not like, siblings, shipping the hell out of it. You know, you know, you know, when the, the story was talked about initially or something, there was something with like his sister and like watching his sister die is what propelled him to come join the rebellion. So you never know. <laughs> um, also notable in this trailer, we do see clone troopers, stormtroopers, and death troopers. Um, we know there's going to be shore troopers in the show as well as mud troopers, I believe. Um, so the fact that there is clone troopers still existing in this timeline, like five years before rogue one slash a new hope is kind of wild to me. Um, how are they being used? Where are they being used? Are these like the final decommissioned clones? I have many questions. Um, and those questions may get answered in the bad batch because the bad batch is a show about, uh, the phasing out of clones and, uh, the start of the, uh, stormtroopers um any final thoughts on the andor trailer before we wrap up here two thumbs up it's good everybody's looking their absolute most hottest beautiful uh the music is great i'm so excited i could cry um as they would say screaming crying throwing up that's that's gonna be me the entirety time of this time i'm so excited like i am ready to just absolutely be blown away so bring it yeah. bring it on. I loved Kenobi so damn much. And I feel like I'm going to have such an even greater love for Andor. I'm ready to make this show my entire personality. Uh, I'm going to be completely insufferable for the next uh, three months. The show takes up, takes us right up until the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the final episode. When so, are we going to record? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess eat your Thanksgiving dinner uh, and watch, keep rewatching the Andor finale, uh, I suppose. Like, mom, you don't understand. <laughs> it's not a phase, mom. It's Andor. 
<laughs> oh man um the andor cassie and andor sans has begun folks oh yeah i'm so ready yeah. i'm so damn ready well if you enjoyed this episode of andor candor guess what we'll be back uh in like 50 days to talk about the uh three-part <laughs> series premiere of the show we're gonna have so much andor to talk about that very first week and we're going to dive into it every week thereafter. Again, some guests may be coming on throughout the season uh, to join us and share in the Cassian and or love. Some weeks, it might just be us two. Probably the first episode is just going to be us two because um, it's a tall task to talk about three episodes. Um, but we hope you join us for the ride because it's going to be such a fun season. We're just so passionate about the show. And if you need two people who are just going to exude enthusiasm and joy, um, we're, we're the people. So stay tuned. Yeah, unless it is terrible and we're sad. But it won't be. <laughs> it, won't be it won't be. It won't be. I think we're going to be excited we're throughout. We're going to speak well. that into the universe. No, no, no. Not at all. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even talk about the poster. The poster is so good. Um, oh, I'm oh my just, gosh, yes. I'm just beyond excited. So yeah, join us, please. We're so excited. Yeah. You can hear me at, at my most unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Especially when Mom Mothma's on the screen. Oh, God. I... Censor that me was now. just the start today so that's a bad bad thing um anyways uh until then you can find sarah and i on twitter letterboxd and goodreads as well as the podcast on twitter instagram and youtube make sure wherever you're listening to Andor candor leave a five-star written review if you could if you enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so you get all of our newest episodes and discussions every single week while you're watching Andor. Uh, amongst all the other things, the cool things that we're doing this fall, because let me tell you, we are going to so be very, many. very busy people. Um, but you're <laughs> going to want to you're going to want to join us because we got some good stuff going on. Yeah. And we are endlessly grateful to all of our patrons. Uh, Patreon tier started just a dollar and they really help support the podcast and us keeping it going uh, during these very busy times, especially. So thank you to our patrons, Amy, Brian with an I, Brian with a Y, Cheryl, Clay, Danny, Davis, Dylan, Donnie, Huang, Jen, Knights of Friend, Leanne, Levi, Lucy, Luke, Lindsay, Randy, Rob, Saber Bouquet, Skytalker, Steven, Travis, Tom, and T. Thank you all very much. And thank you all for listening to this podcast at all. It is a great honor to be having this discussion with you, even though we cannot hear you right now. <laughs> God bless. Love you all. <laughs> uh, Sarah said, thank you all once again for tuning in. And until next time, may the force be with you always. 